What's up, guys? This is Danny Langloss, and you're listening to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review so we can keep growing and help more people. Thank you. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I'm joined by Rebecca Gebhardt. Rebecca is the best-selling author of Beyond the Board, How to Achieve Your Vision Board Goals in a Fulfilling and Sustainable Way. She has 20 years of leadership experience, primarily in the sales world. She has built several businesses that have brought in over $50 million and retired from insurance at age 33. Wow. She launched her own consulting company, Rise Up Consulting, in 2018. She currently guides top performers from the leaderboard to leadership. Her mantra is, do the things that matter in a way that matters for the reasons that matter with the people that matter. Today, we're going to learn how to go beyond the vision board and the high-level goals you've written down and make them happen. Rebecca has created a cutting-edge system on how to accomplish incredible levels of success without burning out. Rebecca, I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. I recently uh, purchased Rebecca's book myself, and and what I'll tell you, while you're going to get the high-level overview and and dive deep into some of it, um, it, it's an incredible read. She is such a good writer. The flow of it is so easy. And I'm a person that generally listens to audiobooks and stuff because I have trouble with my ADHD and that staying focused. But I had zero trouble as I got going with this book. And so congratulations to you on this, by the way. Thank you. So Rebecca, can you share with our listeners your journey and what's led you to where you are today? Yes. So I have always felt, um, I'm always the one way back in school, and I think leaders can look back at where they started. If there was a group project, I was the one that would take the lead. <laughs> you know? um, when I was young, I took the, knee, the lead out of annoyance, I would say, where if you guys aren't going to do it, I'm just going to do it because I wanted to get things done. I've always been that type of person. But I got my start in sales when I was in college, and then I got into sales leadership that next year. So in 2000 was my first year of sales leadership. And I can tell you, I messed things up incredibly. <laughs> and I learned to do things the right way as well. So I had a college internship that I would work um, in the summers. I would recruit during the school year while I was studying, getting my human resource degree from Marquette University. And then that transitioned into the insurance business where I recruited and trained and managed and led a team that was in several states. We were kind of speckled all over the U.S. And through that business, I was able to um, produce a lot of, sell a lot of insurance myself, but also help a team produce business and, you know, through all my businesses together, that's where we have gotten to this $50 million of, you know, money that's come in the door. But then I was able to retire from that in 2014. 
um, when my future residual income hit over a million dollars. That was my goal. So I still get paid. Um, the company I worked with was called Globe Life, and I still get paid every month by them. Residual income is a great thing. <laughs> um, but uh, And then I paused. I actually stayed at home with my kids, which I never thought I did. I know right now, whenever this podcast is going to air, I think this will still be an issue, but there's so many women and men, like parents that are going back and forth. Do I stay in the workforce? How do I do this? I had decided, I never thought I would be the person to do that, but I did stay at home with my children. And then um, during that time, I used it to not just change diapers, but to do more, more networking and personal and business development. I actually took that as a really long sabbatical. And then I launched Rise Up Consulting in, at the end of 2018. So it's been two years that I've been helping salespeople, sales leaders, but I specifically niche with top performers who are making the leap from the leaderboard to leadership. So aspiring and emerging um, and some experienced sales leaders. That's awesome. Such an incredible story. You know, one of the things that this podcast is founded off of is that leadership principles are universal and transcend against across all organizations and professions. And so whether you're in sales or whether you're in city government or whether you're in a factory I mean, leadership is leadership. And that's something that really resonated with me as I was reading your book and your system. Um, and so I think people are, I know, I know people are in for a real treat today. Rebecca, I ask all my guests at this point, what, what drives your passion for leadership at this point in your life? Why leadership? Why help these leaders? So there's, there's two things. When, when I help um, salespeople, I think when you teach someone how to sell and love what they're doing, you help create an income stream. And then the year or two, um, sometimes less, if someone takes a group coaching course with me, they can use that information that has an impact for a long time. So it's about the ripple effect. But leadership, and especially in sales, if I can help someone make that transition into leadership, because I just feel like we set successful people up to fail when they become leaders, it's there's totally different skill sets. It's a different ball game. Yes, some things you learn can be applicable, but if you try to play the same game in leadership as you do as an individual contributor, there's just going to be more pain and more loss that needs to be. But when I work with leaders and sales leaders and I help them, it not only does it help their business, but they then create more sales jobs. They learn how to recruit effectively and train effectively and treat their employees or the salespeople on their team better. And they just produce and they produce more leaders. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I don't think it's very complicated. Even my book, when I wrote that about how to achieve goals, which I'm sure we're going to go into, which is applicable for all leaders because we have to help people achieve their goals working with their skill set and their definition of success, not what we project onto them. Um, but it's, I just think we overcomplicate so many things. And if we can simplify, I think that's the thing with leaders. It's always about, we, leaders know a lot. Consultants, we know a lot. <laughs> but how do we disseminate that information to clients and to our teams that makes, gives them confidence? Like That's pretty simple. I can do step one. And it gets them wins and it gets them engaged. Um, but that's why I'm so passionate about it. I think that we can do a lot more good um, through leadership and, and through effective leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of room for growth out there. 
across all professions in the leadership realm and category. One of the things you said that resonates with me, because we talk a lot about great leaders make the complex simple. And I cannot stand to work with people or to have people on my teams that have to make the simple complex. Uh, there's so many challenges to take on every day. There's so many, only so many hours in a day. We're going to talk a little bit about energy later. We, we have so much of it. We got to channel it in the right way. And life's tough enough without making it tougher. The other thing I heard you say is that one thing that motivates and drives you is you, you see this gap. Um, a lot of times this happens. This has happened with companies that, that I've worked with. This happened with their own organizations. Somebody is a superstar at doing the things and so we make them a leader, a formal leader, without any training at all. But being a leader is about taking care of the people who do the things, not taking care of the things. And so a lot of people are ill-equipped. And that's one of the, the reasons, you know, and, and I think you and I share a, a lot of things within our drive and always trying to get better every day. It's been a big motivation for the podcast because we're sharing cutting-edge, progressive leadership strategies, tactics, for, for leaders who are out there in formal positions, but we're also providing incredible leadership development information for those informal leaders who are striving for formal leadership positions. So love, love, love your passion, love your purpose. So Rebecca, I wanted to start, I was really drawn by the opening sentences in your book, and I'm just going to read them real quick. We control how fulfilled we are in our life and work. We decide what goals we want to achieve and then decide whether or not we're going to put in the work to attain them. Love that. Do you want to break that down for me a little bit and why you started and, and with, with those few sentences so powerful? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, we, we go on autopilot. You just go from one thing to the next. And I think the real fulfilling part is you go taking a step back. Do I really want this goal? Or is this a goal that, and it starts when we're little, right? The, the goals your parents might have pushed on you or peer pressure from friends or to go to this school or whatever it is to get that job and to go for, it just, I think people just get caught up and don't actually take a step back and say, is this the life I want to be living? And that might be coming from me. I turn 40 next year. <laughs> so that might be like a midlife crisis thing. I'm not having one, but that might be like where that comes from when I talk about that. Um, but really taking a step back and saying, what's my definition of success? And do I really want to work for it? I don't know many people who don't want to make high six figures. I really don't. But I know a lot of people who don't want to do what it takes to get there or they just aren't willing to put in that sort of that sort of effort. You know, one thing I fought a lot with personally that I that I still wrestle with a little bit is when I launched my consulting business, I did not want to be working the hours that I used to work that I had to when I was leading a sales team. And part of that was because I didn't know how to set boundaries, but I was working nonstop because I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I didn't want to, so I'm like consciously like if I, if I have to work 60 hours a week to make my income goals, I'm going to figure out a different way to do it or I'm, I'm not willing to do that because I have other areas in my life that are important. I don't want to go on a whole like balance tangent because that just doesn't exist. That You can't, you can have it all, not at the same time, you know, like all, all of that things. stuff. But I think you would need to be like, am I willing to work for it? Am I willing to put in the extra effort or... 
work on my skill set, or work on my expectancy. And that's, I talk about that in the how chapter of working on your habits, your skills, or your mindset to help attain your goals. That's, that's how you actually do it. Yeah, you know, it's funny, as I read those three sentences, and I'm listening to you talk about this, I think back to my dad, what he instilled in me, and what I've instilled in my kids, and that's the only person that can stop you is you. Like, you drive your own car, you control your own destiny, and your success is between you and you. And you've got to define what success is to you, you've got to define your goals, right? And you've got to decide, do you want to go get it? Do you want to put in the work? But this, this opening here is a clear message to anybody and everybody out there. If you've got something that you love, that you're passionate about, that you're willing to put the work in, that you've decided, what, what Rebecca is going to walk us through is the pathway to accomplish it. You know, the only person that can stop, stop you is you. So can I ask you really quick, Rebecca, because it's a complicated question, really, but how do you define success? I define success, I have a very simple answer, is making an income and an impact with complete control over my time. That's my definition of success. I, I do have income goals, just like everyone has income goals, and it feels really nice to have nice things, or you know, to take nice trips and all of that. But my definition of success, I can always make more money, you can always recoup money, you can't recoup time. You cannot recoup that. And so that's my biggest thing. It's, it's the one thing that I can't get back. And that's the one that I really am cognizant. And we'll probably talk about energy too, but managing time and not wasting it and um, being aware of it. So it, what's amazing to me is your, not only your belief, but your ability to be able to accomplish goals in your life without having to sacrifice your health, your relationship, and your values. Because a lot of people say, is that a real thing? Can, that, can you really do that? You can, but it's not perfect all the time, you know? So there's times, um, you know, making things a priority, but so like for health, for example. Um, I, when, when COVID hit, I think COVID was a big wake up call for a lot of people. And I've always been healthy and always worked out. But then I was like, I need to be conscious of what I'm putting in my mouth, right? Like I need to be really aware of what I'm eating. And I lost 10 pounds like right away. And I'm like, oh, I feel healthy. Um, relationships, like you can focus on that. But there are times where me and my husband are at odds with each other, right? But overall, I'm not willing to sacrifice the relationship or like with, with the kids, right? I might lose, I've got a six and an eight-year-old. So I lose my temper sometimes with them or they get frustrated. Like that's all natural, but it is possible. The big picture is always possible. The circumstances aren't always perfect on the way to get there. But yeah, I think you can get what you want if it's really important. You just have to focus on the main thing. You keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah, 100%. Keep your eye on the prize. Have that laser focus. Can, can you explain to us, because we're going to talk about this and, and being a center or, or, or a focal point on predicting what our future is, right? On accomplishing our goals. So what is a vision board? So a vision board is, actually, I, I thought you might ask that. So I was like, I'm just going to show mine. So a vision board is just a compilation. This is mine of positive phrases, a mindset, just goals that you want to accomplish. And the, the basis behind it, like there's so much power. There was a Harvard study done years ago that you're 87% more likely to achieve your goals by writing them down. 
if you attach feeling to them, it makes it more real. So that's why seeing things, we are, humans are very visual people. So if we can see something, we're going to, we could, you can almost like taste it, right? So if you want a car, I have a, um, I think a Lexus on there. Or, I don't know. It's a white SUV. It's not that important to me. I should take it off. I don't know what kind of car it is. <laughs> it's Love my it. friend's car. I was jealous of her car. I was like, I'm dry. It's a picture of me driving her car. Like I want her car. I should probably take that off my vision board. Um, but, um, but you, if you want a car, you go test drive a car. You want to see what it feels like, you know, what it tastes like. And then it becomes, um, things then set, they go deeper into your subconscious and then you can believe it'll happen. I have a friend, Justin Ericke, and I quote him in the book, but he's achieved some amazing things through vision boards. And he says, it's already done. Like the goal is already achieved. Time just hasn't caught up yet. And I thought that was so good. Like you could actually feel it. You're just waiting for time and circumstances to catch up with it. But seeing what you want and having that in front of you, visualizing it, it happens. And I need to update. I, I encourage people to update their vision boards once a year. So I need to I'll be updating mine because I think most of the things on that vision board have happened this year. And um, it's just funny how that, that looks. And I'll go through old vision boards. And I, I was actually laughing with my husband. I said, oh my gosh, Carl, this has all happened. Oh, oh, we forgot about that one. We forgot about that thing. We should put that back on, you know, but it's, it's, almost, it's very comical. But if you know... If you're not specific on what you want, it's not going to happen. Or if it's just that would be nice, it's not going to happen for you. You have to really want it and believe it and feel it. And that feeling is what um, makes it more likely it'll happen. And so you're not just teaching people how to, how to make that vision a reality. You're helping people figure out what are the things that are their high-level goals. What is it? that they really want, that they really seek, that they really desire. Because a lot of people do have trouble finding their why, finding their purpose, wanting something but not really being able to quantify what that is or it being vague. And so you've created a system here um, and a roadmap. And so how do you begin that? How do you begin that process? So how it starts, and I, I literally just broke this down into who, what, where, you know, how, you know, um, not the where, but how. So chapter one is what do you want? Know what you want. And what I talk about in the book, and this is so good for leaders too, because you need to ask your team. Our job as leaders is to help our teammates get what they want. And if we help enough people get what they want, we get what we want as leaders. That's, that's like a common phrase. But actually sitting down and going, what do you actually want? You can't help someone you're leading if they don't know what they want. And you need to know what you want. So the first thing is, what do you want? What is your definition of success? Um, and, and based on not what other people want. So taking your ego out of it, taking social pressure and imposter syndrome out of it, jealousy out of it. Like, what is it that you really want? And then the second step is once you figure out what you want, you put that together on a vision board. And then why do you want it? The why, this has been said so many times, but when you know your why, it roots you and it sustains you through what I call in the book, the expected unexpected. There are circumstances that are never perfect and you have to be aware of that. But why do you want it? And there's, 
there's an exercise where, and, and on the, I have a free workbook that goes with the entire book and it's beyondtheboardbook.com. You can download it for free and all of these exercises are on there. But literally going through, why do I want this? And then you write your answer down. Well, why is that important to me? And you go, you keep asking why and why and why. And I know that sounds silly. The book is so simple. It gets very simple concepts, but only the successful people and successful leaders take the time to do it, right? Like everyone's running so hard and they're working so hard and they're doing all this stuff and they feel really good about it. But if you just took a minute, if you slowed down to speed up, if you took the time, you'll find the path that like you're just, it's like people are taking the long road and you can take the shortcut. You create the path if you know why that's important to you. And then I go into the next one is know who. So know who you are and know who you need to have in your corner. Um, I forget who the author is. I should probably know this. If it was Franklin Covey or um, anyway, but like you, you are the average of your five closest friends and the books that you read. So who are you hanging out with? Who are you following on social media? Um, it's very interesting. <laughs> and then the other, um, the other half of that is who do you need to be? Who are you at your best? Um, yeah, knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses. I think that's really critical. I was just on the phone before this with a client and kind of going through what's going on. And I said, you know, if you just looked at your day and said, what would my best be today? Not what's expected of me or what would I love to happen, but if you could be like, what would my best look like today? And then you reviewed that at the end of the day, did I do my best? I think the level of fulfillment is so much higher. And if you did your best, you can go, all right, I got a win today. Maybe you didn't get the results, but you can't control the results. You can only control your efforts. So that, that's the who. And then the last, it's not the last step, but this is, I'll kind of stop after this. <laughs> Take a break. <laughs> Take a breather. Right. Is the how. So know your how. How are you going to achieve your goals? In sales leadership, this breaks down to the metrics. Well, in anything, in any business, it breaks down to metrics so you can reverse engineer what you have to do instead of the hustle and hope or I put it on my vision board, it's going to happen. I think blind optimism really is not a great thing. So having the game plan, what, what skill sets do you need? Where's the gap in the skill set, right? Where's the gap in the mindset? Um, what What sort of... How are you ambushing yourself? We talked about this at the beginning of this interview. We, we are in control of us achieving our own results. Sometimes it's a blind spot we can't see, but sometimes we can actually see like, oh yeah, here's, I need to level up with my mindset. And then the actual effort, the actual metrics, the habits that need to happen. And when they're broken down, when they're crystallized and then they're solidified, we realize it's actually not that difficult. It's just it's consistent. We have to put in consistent work, but it's not that much work. And I think that's really empowering. So as people see numbers as intimidating, I see them as empowering. You're not your number, you're not your result, but you are the effort that you put into it. 100%. And the mindset of that, you know, one of the things I say a lot at the presentations I do on people I work with, our staff, you know, the best way to predict the future is to create it. That you got to know where you're going or anywhere will do. 
And, and then it becomes down in a battle against yourself to do it. And a lot of times the biggest battle is just taking that first step, right? Just putting your shoes on, lacing them up and taking that first step. And there's so much power in the first step. And as I started to think about that more and more, I thought, you know, that's just too simple. But I think that's what's incredible about it is the simplicity of it. The, so you talked about you got you to gotta know your what. You got to know what you want. You got to know your why, the, the purpose. We're, we're always looking to bring in purpose-driven people because people that are driven by purpose, um, they're doing what it is that they do for them. Now, a lot of times that's in the interest of helping others and move others' goals along, right? Being part of a team, but they're doing these things for them. And that's what we want because what that translates into and what that is, is ownership. You know, we want people who own it. I mean, it's great that people will go with the flow and and go along with the vision and go along with the goals, but that only goes so far where we really get that passionate discretionary effort we talk about in employee engagement is, is through that ownership. The who, and you know, so many people have talked about this within the last three or four weeks that I've been talking to. You, you really are. You're the average of the, the five people you hang around the most, the, 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 the five things you read the most. You know, our environment is so important. I never understood that when I was 16 years old and my dad was on my case about who I was hanging around, but I understand that a lot better now. And then that how, like what is that roadmap moving forward? So you break these things down and, and base a plan on three elements. And you kind of talked about them a little bit, but those are skills, habits, and attitude. Do you want to dive a little deeper into that? Yes. And this is something that I learned from uh, a man named Peter Foray, who was my boss um, at when I sold insurance. And he blessed me that I could use it in the book. And every time I talk about it, this is what this was like his pillar that he loved to communicate. And Peter is one of the most successful people that I know. And he's such a visionary. It's is there there's not many people. We always have these like great prolific leaders in our lives. And he's just the epitome of of, of what that means. But that's what he would break it down and, and simplify that for us. So yeah, so the the habits are just what do you have to do? We have to do things. Not everyone loves, like, I don't even love to, and I'm, I coach salespeople and I have my own business, but I don't love to cold call people. I don't love to always get on the phone. I have to force myself. Once I'm making the calls, I'm having a great time and I'm connecting and it's really good. But so one thing I say in the book too, is that we plan emotionally and we execute rationally. Peter had taught, like, what does your business tell you you need to do? And whether you're in sales leadership or just in leadership in general, if you looked at your business and you looked at the metrics, you could see exactly what you need to do. You could see where you need to get better in certain areas or what your business tells you you need to do. And if you need to work 60 hours a particular week to get it done, then you need to work 60 hours a particular week to get it done. If you could get it done in 30, then that's great. But what's the actual effort going in? And then the, um, the skill set, that's, I mean, and it's so crazy because there's so many skill sets in leadership. I mean, there's, there's so much to do. And I think it's real critical. Something I talk about in my group coaching 
leaderboard to leadership is getting feedback from people on your team and making that a regular part of the conversation of, of sometimes people telling you, hey, you need to work on this. Like I um, it was not the best listener and this is something I really have to work on. But I was given unsolicited advice several years ago by a coworker where I was getting really excited. I'm gonna kind of go on a tangent, but this is like how it comes up. I was really excited about something and I'm in the middle of seven children. When you're excited and you don't talk really loud and really fast, no one heard you. So this kind of like followed me into adulthood and I remember being in a group of people and I was just talking and I was so excited and he goes, do you let anyone ever finish what they're saying? And I went, like I was, I was ashamed. I really felt it could have been handled a little bit better, but it was really good feedback. <laughs> and I went, oh, I actually don't let people finish what they're saying. So I worked on that. Listen as a leader. And there's, there's so many of them, but that's like an example. So with your skill set, if you don't know what you need to work on, you can get feedback. I think um, asking others, what do you think are my strengths? What do you think are my weaknesses? And I always think that's so enlightening because there's, when I've done that, there's things I think I'm really good at that never come up. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am in that area. And then other areas which are repeated over and over. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think I was good at that. And this is something I mentioned in the book. Just because you're not the best or you're not perfect doesn't mean you're not good at something. I think we all have this tendency to compare and you know say well i'm not as good as this person so we discount what we're good at so really getting a handle on the skills that we need to do and we can get a good feedback by just thinking about it ourselves or asking for feedback and then the mindset that um it's huge and we often need this is where i think leaders come in because we are predispositioned our mindset is based on how we were raised like it just is that's why it's important to hang around with good people. But a leader's job is to create, I think, small wins. Small wins that that keeps people engaged. They feel like they're contributing to the team, so they'll want to keep contributing. But then the leader's job is to just gently nudge people and tell them what else is possible for them if they thought a little bit bigger. I think making these huge jumps of, and some people are just, they have these huge goals and they get really enthusiastic, but I think realistically, we just get a little bit better, you know, and that comes from the mindset and what we can expect. So those were the three different areas. I mean, attitude can also be how quick, perseverance, right? How quick you get up after you get knocked down. You know, um, I forget which author said this, but I just quoted this with a client yesterday. Things being so, so what? right? The, the economy being so, so what? COVID being here, so what? Politics, however this election, you know, so what? What can you actually control? And that is, you know, stems from your, your mindset. Yeah. Controlling the controllables is, is such a big deal. You went through so many, just so many powerful things there. We look at skills and the skills of leaders. I, I do challenge people that the ability to listen so first of all, listening is the most important communication skill. And as leaders, we have to listen. We have to listen. The other thing I, I, I heard you say from there, and it really helps in this area, is leaders 
we've got to really be focused on our EQ, our emotional intelligence, our blind spots. We have to empower people who we built high levels of trust with to be honest with us about not just our strengths and what we're good at. Matter of fact, if people didn't share that with us, that's okay. But we really need to understand and expose our blind spots to see things 360 because a lot of times we might be coming across in a certain way and we don't even know it. And we're damaging and hurting ourselves every single day. And when we listen to people, we tell them, I care about you. You're important. I respect you. I trust you. You matter. And, and that's, that's a huge, huge, huge relationship builder, engagement builder, team builder, right? Everybody wants to be cared about. Everybody wants to feel important. Everybody under, wants to understand the difference they're making. And everybody wants to be appreciated. And I say if, if leaders get just those four things right, they're, they're on an incredible path. There's so much more, but if we can get just those things right. And then you talked about mindset. Um, and you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be perfect. We got to be careful in our minds, right? And, and another thing my dad taught me growing up that was very powerful is that you should only compete against yourself. And then an incredible mentor of mine on the police department when I was uh, coming up to the ranks before becoming police chief said, only compete against yourself. Where people get into trouble is where they get into these competitions because they become jealous and they become envious and then all the gossip starts and then you're pulling yourself into places you shouldn't be and the next thing you know, you're on the side of the road with the flat tire and everybody's passing you by. So only competing against yourself. Mindset is absolutely the foundation of success and the attitude and perspective you bring to a situation, you can control that. And at times, it takes a lot of reframing and it takes a lot of practice. But again, at the beginning of the book and those opening sentences, it's up to you. You have the control over that. And, and hopefully, through what people are seeing throughout so many incredible social media sites, through the people that you're working with, through the people we're reaching, through the work of other really good leaders, people are understanding that, that they can control that and they can take ownership of that. Just absolutely Love your insights here. So, so, so powerful. So you, you talk about if you're going to be successful, if you're going to accomplish things, it's going to take work, but it doesn't have to be hard. You want to dive into that a little bit? I read that in your book and things don't have to be hard or overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yes, it it requires hard work, but you don't have to feel like you're fighting. So when I talk about it, it doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to feel like you're grinding. And I could, I'm going to go on a little tangent about grinding because I wrote about this in the book. Go after it. I hate the word grind. I hate it. It means dull, meaningless work. So anyone who is telling their team or themselves to embrace the grind Stop what you're doing because it's actually not what you mean. Don't embrace doing dull, meaningless work. Do purposeful work. You know, like mm-hmm. do the work that makes a difference. Um, yeah, holy cow! But for me, as um, a child, I my parents instilled hard work. So what I took that to mean, and 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 I remember my older brother. He's eight years older than me. He's a, a real successful. Owns his uh, his own business as well. 
And he's like, hard work always pays off. You know, he's like, hard work will always pay off. And I always knew that. And I would always work really hard, but I would, I'd be like miserable in the process. Like, look how hard I'm working. Like, ah, oh, like everyone look at me. I'm like working so hard. And so I thought that hard work meant that work had to be hard. And it's going to be hard at times, but it doesn't have to be grinding and painful the whole time. Like you can actually have fun working. You can enjoy the process. You can have your team members um, really like what they're doing. It doesn't have to be so painful. Yeah. And I, I opened the book up with a dream that I had, like a very vivid dream with my old mentor. And she was so instrumental in helping me figure this out. You know, she's like, you don't have to be miserable to achieve your goals. You don't have to like put yourself in pain. Pain, there is going to be sacrifice. And I, I, I'm kind of talking in circles right now, but I just, I feel so passionate about this. So if you feel like you have to be miserable that's a mindset change. You don't have to be. You don't have to leave your job. You don't have to like change the circumstance because chances are if you quit your job, you join another team, you're just going to be miserable. Like that's, that's a mindset choice. Yeah. You know, what you're saying there resonates with me so much and it, it ties back to clearly knowing what you want to do and understanding why you want to do it, right? Tapping and tying into purpose. I'm working more now than I've ever worked. My job as city manager is more than full-time. Uh, I'm waking up early and working on the stuff for social media on a leadership side. You know, we're reporting podcasts and editing those. We don't have a team that does that. Um, you know, and then we're doing some leadership consulting and some work there with a few team members that I do have with that. But it's not hard. It's not a grind. It's not painful. I love it. It sets me on fire. And so th that passion it resonates. And so if people don't feel that passion with what it is that they're doing, and I know you feel that passion with what it is you're doing, they need to take that step back and say, am I doing the right thing? Or, and this is where great leaders help people in this, how is what I'm doing filling that passion and purpose? Right? Early on, I talk about aligning purpose. And if you brought somebody on your team, somebody's on your team, there's got to be something that connects their purpose and what drives and motivates and fuels their fire to what's happening with this team. And so sometimes we've just got to look and understand what that is. So your, your mindset was, was so important there and I wanted to hear your perspective on it and bring that out for the listeners uh, because like I said, I'm working more than I've ever worked and I, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more energized and more motivated to keep going one foot after another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know I've actually been working more lately too. And, um, but it's, it's good, like in a really good way. And I, um, and I think like passion is different than purpose, but when those two meet, it's really important. So I think it's important people to do things that are passionate, but that doesn't have to be your job. Like you, <laughs> you need to have things you're passionate about and do things you're passionate about. So you feel good, but that, that can, or doesn't have to mean it's your actual daily work. It could be, when, when passion and purpose meet together, that's, that's the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. um, but you should feel it's more important to have purpose than passion. Yeah. And one of the things, and I've been working through it lately is I've just really been dissecting things uh, because of the business and some of the writing and, and some of the presentations in that is when passion and purpose meet, that's where we drive the highest levels of impact. 
And so that alignment, that the simplicity of that is such a powerful thing. Is it okay with you if we take on energy yes, and kind of wrap up with energy here over the next few minutes? Yeah, I was just, I was just looking to the side. I thought I could find um, the book where it's like the P squared thing. Cause like I, um, leaders who serve might be the book. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I, I'll send that to you afterwards. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's, let's talk about energy because you've dedicated an entire chapter of the book to energy and about managing your energy. So take a deep dive into the most important components or concepts of your beliefs as it relates to energy. Why is energy so important? Okay. So energy is so critical because it flexes, like time doesn't flex, right? We cannot make more time, but we can make more energy. And as a leader, I think one of your last podcast guests was talking about the thermometer versus the temperature, you know, but you bring the energy to yeah. the room. And I, I said this to people that I've coached before, to team members who may have been a little bit negative and bringing weird energy. I'm like, hey, you have a choice. You either bring energy or you take it away. Like, that's what you're doing every time you get in a team meeting. I was given the book, and I, and I quote it, um, The Power of Full Engagement. I was given that probably 12 years ago by my mentor, who was really big into energy management. Now, I'm, I'm not like a woo-woo person where I'm looking at crystals and stuff. Like, I'm not that far <laughs> into the spectrum. I'm not saying they don't work. I'm just saying that's not where I am. But what I really feel is that if we were cognizant of our energy and we took our best we all have high and low energy times a day. Daniel Pink's written about this too. But if we did our best work during our best time that got the, the income and the impact producing activities we needed to do, we can get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time. And I, and I was listening to a few of your previous podcasts. I know you've talked about that too. Like your morning time is your time. So you can get yes. several hours worth of work done in an hour. And so I think energy management and time management with block, they really are intertwined, but you can get more energy and that's, it's, it's people burn themselves out when they don't manage their energy. So, you know, you have your spiritual energy, your physical energy, your mental energy, and your emotional energy. And there's a focus issue a lot of times with that, where we're just, we're just, letting the mental energy go where we're not, we're thinking about something else. We, we, we're thinking about work when we're at home and we're thinking about home when we're at work and it, it just, it's just, it's more draining energetically. So there's a lot of things that you can do to increase your energy, but that's what you want to do is really be cognizant of that. It's an interesting concept, right? Because time, you can't make more of it, but you can control your energy. And then if you're, you're doing your high impact things, whether it be being creative or innovative or engaging with your team or some kind of a project you're working on, when you have the highest levels of energy and you can block out distractions, like you can cancel out distractions, you, you can seriously get eight hours of work done in a normal circumstance in two hours. Like if you're just going to work and letting the day interrupt you and your emails and your phone and, you know, people walking in and out or whatever it is that you're doing, it's just amazing to me when I've, I've got the most energy and I'm focused and I can devote that two or three hours, how much more I can get accomplished, you know? And so that really resonates with me 
the the quote from Karen Shrory the other day was, you know, do you want to be a thermometer or do you want to be the thermostat? And we want to be the thermostat, right? Thermometers, the read on it moves up and down depending on the temperature, depending on the energy, right? Depending on the emotion. And the, the thermostat sets the energy. It sets the temperature. It sets the emotion. And as leaders, we've got to impact, understand the impact and power of our energy and our emotion on our teams. And you said that, 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 that every interaction you can either bring and add energy or pull energy away. So what are a couple tips? What are a couple tips as we start to close up to increase or to maximize your energy? I think the best way to explain that is with the physical part of it, because I think people can relate to that so much easier. So if you want, um, I used to be used to be a marathon runner and there's the marathon schedule. So how you get more endurance to be an endurance runner is you slowly add more to your plate. I think what happens are these pendulum swings where people go, I'm going to go do this. And then they, they do too much too soon in whatever energy, which are the four energy areas that they're in. So if I had started week one, there's usually 20 weeks of marathon training is typically what you do. And your long run, your first week, you typically start at three miles. Well, if I were to go from three miles to like a 16 mile long, you know, long, slow run on the weekend, I would injure myself. That's when you burn out. That's when then you spend the next week icing and sore and you cause more injury and it takes you longer to get back going. And, um, Consistency, I say this all the time, but it's so critical. But if you slowly increase what you can do, it doesn't feel sexy. It doesn't feel exciting. Like we like these peaks of like big performance and then like that we like that. It makes our lives exciting. But what actually produces results are um, the consistency part of it and slowly adding on. And I have, I have a burnout formula. I have a sustainability formula. I really think people who work hard, play hard, that, that's burnout. That's a burnout life. That might work when you're in your 20s. But if you are just work hard, play hard. And there are some people who have different energy levels, but you need to rest. So if you want more energy, if you are the leader, and we just talked about this, you are bringing energy. You know you are pouring from your cup every day. You have to rest in a way that fills up your cup. You don't need to rest for you don't need 20 hours of sleep, right? You don't need a three-week vacation, but you do need to plan in how you're going to fill your cup and how you're going to rest or how you're going to be meditating or journaling. That, that is really critical because people who don't stop, who don't put boundaries in place, who just think, I'm going to work, going to work, going to work, it's going to produce more, you don't. There, there's a point where you literally cannot work. Uh, well, you could work, but you're not being effective. It's wasted time working. And that's because your energy is low. But those are ways to expand. You slowly add and you rest. <laughs> and then it. you level up and then you go again and you do a little bit more and then you rest. So what is the formula? So the, and I remember seeing it in the book, I don't remember the full formula, but it's work hard, play hard, rest hard. Level up. Yep. Level up. Um, and that's your, uh, that's your sustainability. And I talk about this too. I was having a conversation with um, Paul Leahy, who I interviewed in the book. I used to work with him. And we were, he knew me when I sold insurance. And he said, well, you got bored. That's why you burnt out. 
And I said, what? <laughs> like, and I think as leaders, this is really important. If people are, they're not leveling up, like people will stay with your company if they feel like they're growing personally and professionally, the value add. It's not the money. Yeah. Some people think it's the money. They will take less money if they feel like you're investing in them as a leader. Um, so it's almost the leader's responsibility to be leveling up, but then also how can you help other people so they don't get bored? So they don't just show up to work and go through the motions. Um, it leads to burnout. So and as leaders listen to this and informal leaders listen to this, this message isn't just to optimize you and your success and your impact. It gives you a formula to help your team do the same thing. That formula, work hard, play hard, rest hard, the observation, level up, and then the equaling of sustainable success, page 123 of Rebecca's book, Beyond the Board. Absolutely. I, forget, I, forgot, the, I forgot the observation part. That's really funny. <laughs> no, absolutely observe, love it. You get your feedback, right? And then, then you level up. You observe what you need to level up on and then you, and then you implement it. Yep. It is uh, such a powerful, powerful thing, such a powerful conversation. Any, any call to action as we walk away? You've given people a lot a lot to think about, a lot of valuable information, different perspectives, ideas. I know I've looked at things completely different from reading your book and hearing you expand on things from the, the conversation today. So if people want to get more information about this, it really is a simple read and it's broken down. Um, like if, if your pain point is this, go to this chapter if you don't have time. I know time is a huge issue, so I do try to make this effective. So I would want you to read the whole book, um, but only 20% of people actually read all of books. <laughs> so, so I actually break it down, you, so you can do that, and you can find the book on Amazon. And, and then, and then you, there's links to get to my website, but you can reach out to me, connect with me. I'm on so, uh, LinkedIn, I'm on social media and Instagram quite often. And then there is a Beyond the Board book group in Facebook that you can join for free if you want to stay part of the conversation and be around other people who are achieving their goals. I love it. And so in the podcast details, regardless of what platform you're looking at on, there, there will be direct links to everything Rebecca just talked about. Rebecca, Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your insights and your wisdom and your expertise. Thanks for having me. It was fun. So Rebecca today has shared so much uh, insights into how to move your vision board to incredible levels of success. Truly understanding what we want, why we want it is so critical to our success. Understanding who we want to be and who we should be surrounding ourselves with prepares us perfectly to determine how we're going to get there. If you're interested in connecting with or learning more about Rebecca, her information is linked in the podcast description. I highly recommend you check out her book, Beyond the Board. To our listeners, thank you for sharing this time with us. And if you found this episode helpful, please, please consider giving us a rating, uh, leaving us a review, smashing the subscribe button so you never miss another episode, and sharing it with your network. Uh, this truly helps us reach more people and help more people organically. If you're interested in receiving more cutting-edge leadership information, you can subscribe to our email list on our website. That's also linked below. We promise not to overwhelm your inbox. Uh, the direct link is right there. Thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, always be committed to excellence.